stocks, bonds, ETFs, straight out of downtown Chicago. This is Zach's Market Edge. Welcome to Zach's Market Edge, the podcast about investing in your life. I'm your host, Tracy Reinick, and this week I'm joined by Zach senior strategist Kevin Cook to discuss the favorite topic of the street, it seems, the semiconductors. So Kevin, I asked you on because you've really been following this sector and you seem to know what's going on with it. Um, all of us own these stocks now, it, it seems to me, everyone except Warren Buffett. I was watching Berkshire Hathaway's meeting over the weekend, and I was struck by the fact that, like, hey, Berkshire Hathaway doesn't own any of these semiconductors. I wonder why that is. Maybe he's not crazy enough. I don't know. Um, well, but I remember, he, remember his first tech investment was IBM a few years ago. So. I know. <laughs> I know. So maybe he's working his way up to this area. I don't know. But um, there is a lot going on with this area. And I know you've been writing about the Philly Semiconductor Index and that inverted head and shoulders formation that's forming over there. So mm-hmm. um, what what is that telling you? Because I looked it up today before we uh, recorded this on Tuesday, May 8th, and it looks like it's bouncing off that inverted head and shoulders. Yeah, I mean, it, it was a high probability play to buy, to take one last shot and buy semiconductors while the stocks index was near its 200-day moving average. And um, and for people who don't know what an inverted head and shoulders is, I bet you I posted this chart several times on both StockTwits and Twitter. <laughs> you did. So if you follow me on Twitter, at Kevin B. Cook, you can find it. But um, basically the idea is, you know, head and shoulders formation, the classic idea is that uh, price makes some sort of high, pulls back, makes a higher high, pulls back, and then makes a lower high, essentially looking like there's a head in the middle and two shoulders, um, which is bearish, meaning that the, the price is getting exhausted trying to make new highs, and there's always sellers, and, um, you know, so that would be bearish. So an inverted head and shoulders is bullish because it's, it's, it's upside down. You know, the, uh, the head is in the middle, so to speak. But the point is, is that it looks like, as much selling as there's been, taking profits in a lot of these stocks, um, and fears about you know the end of the, the big technology cycle that we're in, which semiconductors will be some of the first to get sold, it looks like it has a good chance to bottom. And I look at it like, hey, you've got you know three four percent downside, and then you're out because all the semis are going to go lower, or you've got. 25% upside. And that risk reward was favorable to me. So what are some of these earnings reports that we're having from these companies this earnings season telling you about the end of the cycle? Because that is the main concern I keep hearing yeah. from people. Like, is this the end? And that's why everybody's getting jittery and, you know, cashing in their huge gains because they think, yes, this is finally the end. But is it, it are, are some of these, I know we haven't heard from everybody yet, but say for instance, well, Micron was, was like weeks ago now, cause they always report a little bit off of the cycle of the earnings season. They're either, you know, very late or very early, depending on how you look at when they report, mm-hmm. but um, they weren't really seeing, you know, a, a big slowdown, at least for this calendar year when they reported, a, you know, weeks ago. 
Yeah, and for your listeners who may not follow this sector that closely, I'll just explain a little bit, you know, what what's this obsession with um, calling the end of the cycle? Yeah. The reason is, is that because traditionally you, you get this boom-bust sort of, uh, you know, cycle in semiconductors where, hey, they're really ramping up, you know, everybody's, uh, it's the PC refresh cycle, right? Everybody needs right. new PCs at home and in the corporation. And so they're going to sell a lot of chips in the next, you know, six to 12 months, and then it's all going to end. So you better, you better be buying the chip stocks before that, that upswing starts, and then you're selling early into it because you want to get out before. So that's, that's sort of the obsession with everybody trying to call the end. And, and you know, there's some validity to that. What, the, the big picture that's different, though, is that, this technology cycle we're in, I call it the technology super cycle, is much different than the ones of the 1990s or even the 2000s, which were built around the PC, right? Yeah. Now, now it's about it's about mobile, you know, handsets. It's about the cloud, data centers. Um, it's about automation in everything from factories to the possibility of autonomous cars, and it's about AI. So you have all yeah. these new industries and new companies that are sustaining long-term demand. So um, it's still it's still uh, wise to look for the end of the cycle and be and taking profits in some of these companies because you know smart investors have owned them um, for multiple years. I'll never forget. You know who Seth Klarman is? He's a classic. Uh, Graham Dodd, value investor, uh, runs a hedge fund. Uh, what's the name of Carmen's fund? Um, uh, it's what's in my mind right now. Okay. But anyway, he was buying Micron like it, I think under ten bucks a few years ago. Wow! And he was just he was just crazy about it, right? And and you got in Micron a couple of years ago at twenty nine. So yeah. You were you were smart, but the the reason was is because not only was it a value, but it you, you could see the upswing in the cycle. So, and Micron makes memory chips, both the uh, the DRAM, the uh, yeah. random access memory, and the the NAND flash chips, um, which go in a lot of new stuff. So, um, I can talk about this this uh, soap opera of when does the cycle end? Basically, just talking about four companies: Micron that makes the memory, LAM Research and Applied Materials that make the equipment that Micron buys, and that and that Samsung also buys, and then Nvidia. Yeah. So I'll just I'll just stick with uh, Micron and and the equipment makers. Um, so the problem with Micron is, well, even though Micron reported a good quarter and has a good outlook, investors are cautious because everybody's worried that there's going to be an oversupply of these memory chips, and they're just it's just going to be an inventory situation. And so, in you know, in a few quarters, Micron sales are going to go down. Because, you know, oversupply of memory. Yeah. Now, M Micron won't tell you that, of course, right? No. They're, they're going to, obviously, <laughs> the company is going to, the company is going to be the optimist on this. But, but if they're, um, if they're hedging, analysts can usually read between the lines on a conference call. Yeah. You know, they can, they're, they're, believe, you know, uh, I'm sure most of your listeners are aware of how uh, uh, people parse the, FOMC statements, you know, what did the Federal Reserve say? What word did they leave out? What word did they add? Yeah. Well, 
analysts do the same thing on conference calls with these chip companies to find out, well, what are they really saying about the outlook, you know? And uh, so they're definitely doing that with Micron. And then they're doing that with the people who call Micron a customer are LAM Research and Applied Materials yeah. because they make the, the, the equipment to make the chips. It's called uh, wafer fabrication equipment, WFE. And um, you want to know if Micron's business is going to stall because of oversupply, because then that's going to affect the equipment makers. I remain bullish because we haven't yet reached this this um, sort of nirvana that was forecast for 2018, where there was going to be $50 billion in CapEx from companies like Micron and Samsung and Intel needing to buy the equipment to make their chips. And so I, I keep, uh, you know, I've been a... Uh, I've been a swing trader of Lamb Research, for instance. Okay. And and they just won't let it really make new highs above 220, even though I think that's where it's going. And all the analysts think so too. They have the, the like the average street target for uh, LRCX is like 260 bucks. So that's why I'm a buyer under 200. I did take a look at the analyst estimates, and they do seem to be very cautious. Both of these, both Micron and Lamb Research are on fiscal years, and and fiscal 2019 is kind of showing no growth or not much going on there, right? because um, right. they're taking, you know, a wait and see until they get better guidance or, you know, something to tell them what might be going on even in the second half of this calendar year. But, yeah, so that would be that would be the cautionary uh, note here is yeah. that analysts putting their money where their mouth is. They have high price targets on Lamb and Micron, but they're not willing to stick their necks out no. on next year's estimates. No. So, so I, even though I'm bullish and taking my chances and, and being agile, um, investors should know that that even the analysts aren't sticking their neck out on next year's estimates. Now, if in the next quarter they start to stick their neck out. Is that a buying sign for both of those stocks? Because uh, that'll be, so, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Once we get some kind of confirmation that, Hey, you know, the, the memory supply glut isn't going to happen, right? It's, it's been yeah. long exaggerated about, but it's not going to happen. And there's big demand from Samsung and, you know, Micron's customers in memory for DRAM and, and flash are both strong, you know, that's what they need, you know, and um, and we've had some other warning shots across the bow recently, like for Apple and and Apple. So let me tell you, we know the good news, what happened after Apple journeys. But let's talk about what happened before. What happened before was a company called Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Corporation. TSM is the stock symbol. Mm-hmm. They uh, warned that, I mean, they're going to miss revenues. What, what the consensus was by like, I mean, it was like over 10%. You know, it was like almost a billion dollars that they were going to, they had to lower guidance for. And everybody immediately saw that read through to Apple, that yeah. Apple was, you know, buying less of what they buy from Taiwan Semi. And um, so that meant, oh, you know, Apple's uh, selling less iPhones, you know. Yeah. And, and then Apple goes down to 165 and you think, and then analysts come out of the woodwork, lowering the price targets, lowering estimates on Apple, and they, then they came out and blew it away with not just the quarter, but also guidance for the June quarter. So, 
Yeah. So, so even these little signals that we think we know what they mean might not mean that. It doesn't exactly. seem exactly. Yeah. yeah. And you, and it doesn't mean that you buy the chip stocks and get married to them because there was a, a time when, um, Last year, when I really thought that the North Korea situation would heat up, yeah, I got out of chip stocks because I thought if if there's any kind, you know, if this is when North Korea was testing lots of missiles, and then right. there was sort of a uh, war of words between uh, between uh, North Korea and the White House. I said, you know, if there's any kind of conflict in South Korea, obviously bad for Samsung, obviously bad yeah. for any semiconductor makers, and it never happened. And, right. and so that, you know, that, that risk is sort of um, off the table. Now, what is the risk for longer-term investors that have ridden these stocks, you know, uh, on this wild ride and they have these big gains if they haven't locked in any of it yet? Because my question is, once Micron, say it's next quarter or the quarter after that, it, once they do come out and say, hey, we're seeing a little less demand on these things. Like, it's going to, I feel like this whole sector is just going to crash down even worse than the weakness we've already seen. So, but how do you get in front of that as an investor? Or or can you? Yeah, and that's what's going on now because um, as individual investors, what I like to remind everybody to do is think about the big investors. Think about the investors who own a million shares yeah. or five million shares of Micron. They need time to get out. So if they're the if they're a little bit cautious and they're sitting on two, three, four years of, of profits, then they're going to be selling into rallies yeah. because they, they they can't they're not going to sell five million shares in one day. You know they're gonna they're gonna lob them out. You know a few hundred thousand a week or something like that. And, and they have to take that view because they don't want to get caught, like you said, on the day when right. the bad news comes. No. And, and, and uh, you know, you get uh, three, four funds all trying to sell, you know, millions of shares. Yeah. Um, you know, so they'd rather take some profits now. And, and I, think they have a, um, I think they have a duty to their investors to do that, right? Yeah. To say, hey, you're sitting on a hundred percent or 200 percent gains in a, in a micron or even lamb research um we started buying lamb research last year around 110 and you know we i you know i keep waiting for it to go to and it's been above 230 but it just can't it just can't hold it yeah. but yeah you if you're a, if you're a fund manager you have a responsibility to, to be taking some profits and you know not get caught uh when everybody knows there's a semiconductor cycle why would you get caught in it and then have that egg on your face? So that's that's the the uh, sort of situation dilemma that large investors face. We don't ha- we don't, as individual investors we don't face that. We're not right. only accountable to ourselves, and we can be more nimble because we're not holding a million shares. Yeah, maybe that's some of sure. your listeners, Tracy, <laughs> are holding. A million they might shares, be. But <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> um, what about applied yeah, materials? Since you put them in at Micron at 29 and right. double their money, yeah. Right, exactly. Some of mine might be. Um, but what about applied materials? They haven't reported yet. I did take a look yeah. at their estimates for now, and it's kind of the same story um, about similar for fiscal 2018 and fiscal 2019. Nobody's going out on the limb there, especially ahead of the report. But should I right. be looking for similar as LAM research? You know, all these stocks yeah. are... 
it's almost like I thought Lamb was going to get up and go here above 200. Uh, so on Friday during the big NASDAQ rally and the, and the semiconductor rally, I, I added to Lamb Research yeah. at 195 Saw because that. I said, okay, okay, this is our shot. You know, let, let's see if, if, the, if the semis can put in this bottom here. And then all of a sudden this week I'm having to explain, well, maybe they're <laughs> waiting to hear from their peer applied materials, which yeah. is AMAT, A-M-A-T. And that could be. I mean, and that's, and that's not till next Thursday, the right. 17th, right? Right. That's so right. So I'm like, that's going to be a long week yeah. <laughs> of, w- of waiting for that report. The other semiconductor I mentioned was NVIDIA. Yeah. I just want to get them in here. Yeah. How they're part of the bigger story, and yet they are a story unto themselves. Yeah, I wanted to mention that because NVIDIA seems to be like the name in the semiconductors. It's like the reference comes out, like the trumpets start blaring. I know I know, it was up 139% in the last year, but you know, you don't mess around with NVIDIA, even on, on Twitter or stock twits, you better not be talking any trash talk against them because you'll hear. So what is that about? What, what makes NVIDIA this kind of, so you know, it's separate? it's not just that they're helping create dozens of new industries because of their parallel processing GPU chips, which are the foundation of artificial intelligence. It's also that they do it better than anyone else, right? So, yeah. so there will be competition, you know, and as soon as, as, soon as we get, um, you know, as soon as Intel launches some sort of, you know, monster category product to really take on, uh, NVIDIA, you know, and, and when that happens, then, you know, you might see a 20% down day in NVIDIA. Yeah. Um, until that happens, NVIDIA is the king of AI for short. Right. But AI is a lot of things. You know, it's, it's, it's what uh, large companies are able to do with data centers. You know, what Google, Facebook, Amazon are able to do with their data centers. Although Google, you know, is experimenting with possibly creating its own chips and its own AI. So they may not uh, mm-hmm. ever... You know, they don't want to be dependent on the proprietary technology of, of NVIDIA. Yeah. Um, and NVIDIA supports a, uh, a rich multiple, let's say. I, yeah. I think you can buy it under 40 times. I, um, I added, I, I, I've been a buyer under 40 times, and that's obviously worked to my advantage. Uh, the stock has run up here the past few days ahead of earnings this Thursday, the 10th. Yes. Today's the 8th. Yeah. So, and... I don't. I, I told my people last night. I'm not sure why Nvidia popped up to 250 again, other than, you know, the um, a few buyers and maybe the algos really spooking the shorts because there are a, a good amount of shorts here, like spooking them ahead of the quarter. Like you better not be short this going into another great quarter. Yeah. But if it's not a great quarter and great guidance, um, then you know, yeah, then the stock could easily get get hit because there's, there's you know, the valuation is rich, yeah. probably over 40 times now. Um, the other thing that NVIDIA keeps doing right is uh, Jensen Wong, the CEO, he, he's a showman. And I don't, mean mm-hmm. a, I don't mean a showman like a show-off like Elon Musk or something. I mean, he is always launching new products and always putting them in the best light possible. Even if you're not an NVIDIA investor, you every day or at least twice a week, you should go to the NVIDIA blog page. Just just search NVIDIA, find their site, and find the blog page with news and events. They've got five, at least five news events 
uh, roll on a rolling two or three day basis that are just mind blowing. Like here's what we're doing in medical with AI. Here's what we're doing in autonomous driving. Here's what we're doing with supercomputers that do research at universities. Here's what we're doing in the genome. Here's what we're doing uh, in industrial automation. Here's what we're doing in uh, teaching computers to uh, beat anyone at Texas Hold'em poker, which is an incredibly complex puzzle, by the way. So just just go and and again, even if you don't care about chips and what and what Nvidia makes, they make a you know the parallel processing chips. I had to explain this to some investors yesterday. Remember, there there are these tiny chips, and you put thousands of them into a box so that they can process information in parallel, you know, and perform millions of calculations per second simultaneously. Whereas, you know, a traditional supercomputer that Intel builds is going to have six big core processors that still have to do serial inline processing. You know, so that's what GPU is all about, graphical processing units. They took the gaming chip and realized that if we can do this with, you know, video and audio, we can do it with information because it's just data, right? Yeah. So, you know, that's the power of the GPU chip. And not only does uh, NVIDIA build boxes and hardware packed with these chips, like the, the latest, um, one of the latest boxes that anybody can buy for a few grand, has 21 billion transistors in it. I have one in my house. <laughs> um, I don't use it yet because I, I haven't hired a programmer, but I, I've got, I've got uh, one of these boxes from NVIDIA. And I could do machine learning. I could do, I mean, there's a lot of things I could invent. But so what NVIDIA does is they're also, they, have a, they started a program last year to train 100,000 developers. Wow. Now, if you're in software or hardware, you know that you want the engineers using your stuff, right? Yeah. So that's what NVIDIA does. They're, like, they're out there training as many developers as they can. Use our platform. It's called CUDA which stands for Compute Unified Device Architecture. And that's the platform for doing machine learning, deep learning, creating your own AI on any data set you want. Um, and, and, you know, so that's how NVIDIA wins over the technology market and, you know, sort of wins over investors. You know, there might be a lot of investors who pound the table like, well, don't badmouth NVIDIA. It's going to 300. Right. Well, they probably don't really know what they're talking about, you know, because they're yeah. not an engineer. They're not using it. Um, yeah. And they don't understand who the customer, who's NVIDIA's customers are. Yeah. Uh, but some of them do. The, the point is you have to understand where, what's the end product, what's the end goal. And the, the economy, this is why I call it the technology super cycle, is because there is un- productivity in the economy and inflation stays low because Moore's law was that chips are going to you know get cut in half in size and double in productivity every 18 months well that sort of started to level off here in this decade uh, the GPU chip is now reinventing Moore's law and creating this doubling and tripling of computing power um, you know probably every year now yeah, I think what some people don't realize about Jensen Wong, the CEO there, is that he is the last remaining of the original tech titan CEOs. That's what I like to call him, although he's still fairly young. So he was really young when he first joined that group. But it was Jensen, um, Steve Jobs, and Larry Ellison that were like the three big wigs of Silicon Valley there in the, the late 1990s into the 2000s. 
and um, he's the last remaining one in there. So he's been yeah. around a long time in Silicon Valley. People outside of the Valley don't realize that, I think. And I, I yeah, feel like... 1993. 93 right. started NVIDIA. Right. And that and, gives uh, him a long like history there in the Valley and understanding the business that he's in, basically. So I feel like that's a big advantage that NVIDIA has. That's a really good point. I, I didn't really think about it that way. That, yeah, he's not this newcomer just because you yeah. never heard of him five years ago and you never heard of artificial intelligence GPU chips doesn't mean, you know, that this guy is, is, is a IPO baby, you know, in this bull market. He's been around. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Now, all, all that you said about NVIDIA is convincing me that I, I need to go buy it now, even <laughs> though I look at it and it's like 35 to 40 times earnings and it looks priced for perfection. But I'm like, wow, you know, it sounds fantastic. I need to own this one. But I'm going to be watching that earnings report closely, just like everybody else, obviously. And remember the big tailwind we have. Hey, we're still in a bull market. Yeah. So, there, you know, where is money going to flow? Is there's still going to be glamour stocks. There's still going to be must-owns, right? Yeah. Look what Facebook just survived. Facebook yeah. just survived like the worst scandal ever. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and Amazon is just on fire. Yeah. My Alibaba's on fire. Yeah. Um, so in a bull market, there, there's going to be must-own names that, yeah, they're going to get sold, you know, by people who've got 200% profits. And, right. you know, they're going to pull back 20%. But that's when you buy them because you still got the tailwind of a growing economy growing earnings in a bull market that I have no idea when this bull market's going to end. Right. That's true. So let's uh, go over those names again, just for people who are interested in investing in this space, if they're not in it yet. The first one we talked about was Micron, that's ticker MU. And then we had LAM Research, LRCX is the ticker there. Applied Materials is AMAT. NVIDIA's NVDA, and then you mentioned Taiwan Semiconductor, TSM, but they warned. Could that be a buy here? What do you think about them? You know, the, the one word I left out of this whole discussion about semis is commoditization, right? Yeah. It's like the, the memory chips become commodities. And maybe even, so And I think that probably what tai, the Taiwan Semi, I think that some of their product line is considered sort of a commodity. Okay. Too. So, so I want to I tend to stay away from the businesses that I don't have a lot of visibility on. Yeah. Whereas I, I follow like Lamb Research very closely. I listen to the calls. I listen to the CEO. I look at the product line. I try and look at who their customers are, and and that's when I can get it. And when when I hear the when I hear the CEO say, "Hey, we're going to do another three billion in sales this quarter," yeah. Um, and, you know, when he's got that kind of visibility, then I have a lot of confidence. Yeah. That's good advice for any investor that they should be doing their research, their homework on these companies and listen to those conference calls. You find out a lot. Yeah. Um, Oh, and let me mention the the CEO of Micron. I can't pronounce his name because he's Indian. And so that would be foolish for me to try and pronounce his name. But he's also uh, sort of charismatic. Yes. Listen to him talk. Like people badmouth CNBC. I love watching CNBC and Bloomberg so I can see CEO interviews. You listen to the guy from Micron. He's like, we're just in the baby stages here of AI. Yeah. yeah. You know, we're this is just getting going. That's why I'm like, yes, Cooper's <laughs> technology super cycle is real. And yeah. the CEO of Micron said so. Yes, um, definitely. Those are those are definitely interesting conference calls. I, I agree. 
people should be listening to that Micron one too. Um, okay, so this was a good discussion. We'll probably do it again in, you know, I don't know, four to five months and see where we are in the cycle then because it could be continuing. We'll, we'll yeah. find out. I will. I will have either taken my profits or I'll still be going. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Uh, Me too. So uh, be sure if you want to catch all of our podcasts to subscribe. We're on Spotify now. So if you're on Spotify, you can get Zach's Market Edge, I know. And all of our other podcasts are on Spotify. Um, You can find us all there, plus Apple Podcasts and, of course, on SoundCloud. So be sure to get us every week and I'll see you again next time.